Welcome to F1 with my uncle, episode 11. This past weekend was the Japanese Grand Prix, and we'll be discussing the weekend's events as well as some of the uh, major talking points around it. This episode was really fun. We talked about Max's championship. We talked about how crucial Perez has been. We talked about the safety equipment and vehicles being on the track when with like no visibility. Uh, we, we talked about a lot of things. It was uh, a really fun, really eventful episode, and uh, I hope you enjoy it. At the end, we actually have a hot seat discussion about using different tire compounds at the same time, which was quite an interesting discussion, so be sure to stick around for that. So without any further ado, here's the episode. Enjoy. Well, the Japanese Grand Prix weekend was an eventful one, and it ended with Max being the world champion for 2022. Or is he? No, no, no. He 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 is right, right, right. Yeah, no, no, that... no, no, no. He's not. He's not. He's not. Oh no, but no, no, no. He definitely is this time. <laughs> he definitely, for sure, is the champion. <laughs> oh man, that was just kind of silly. But uh, hey, Dan, where do you want to where do you want to dive into the weekend's events? <laughs> well, it, it, you know, it, it is. It's good to uh, find humor in these things. Yeah, you know, I, I sent uh, I sent a text to my uh, you know my uh, oldest son follows F one, and my daughter does too. But you know, I said uh, he didn't win the title. He won the title. Maybe no. Wait, yes. <laughs> And then, and then I said, partial points. No, wait, full points. But wait, Leclerc was second. No, wait, wait, <laughs> he, he's third. Yeah. <laughs> There's a penalty. No, no penalty. Oh, wait, five-point penalty. <laughs> so, I mean, literally, you had – and the teams themselves were confused about this. Yeah, that was – Max was confused. That's what was, you know, what was so confusing is, like, literally everyone other than the officials – thought that the rules were the the one way. Right. But yet they yes. technically weren't. Do, do you want to start with explaining all of that or or where do you want to go in and I, I can. And and then you had a funny line regarding this tying it back to twenty twenty one. I don't know if Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. Weird. So it turns out that things are still messy even when you fire Michael Messi. I I mean I mean Massey. <laughs> <laughs> even when they're not Massey, they still get Yeah, messy. exactly. There you go. <laughs> Okay, yeah, that's so okay. Th this is a little complicated, but I did dig into it. And the reason we'll cover this briefly, but you know, basically, if you're sitting out there going, Yeah, I don't, I thought that if partial races, unless you go 75% of the distance, which we did not, that you're you only get 75, like over 50%, but less than 75%, which would have been like 30 something laps. Um, the, and we did 28. So in theory, he should have only got 75% of the points and he got a hundred percent. So why is that? Um, so I dug into this and they did change the rules in February of this year, 2022, um, probably based on what went on in spa last year, but the, so the rules basically state, and I'm on the F1.com site looking at the rules here. And this is you know, that if a leader of a race, not just a participant, but if the leader that no points will be awarded unless a minimum of two laps, like regular green flag laps, were completed by the leader of the race. And then at that point, um, they go into, you know, that 
you have the 25%, 50%, 75%, you know, on down. And I won't go through the how many points. Sure, but, sure. You know, which is what. But the bottom line is that if the race finishes, if the race is like, let's put it this way. If Max had completed 28 laps and then it had started raiding heavily and the race was suspended by the FIA, then he would have gotten 75% of the points. But because the race finished under green flag racing and it was not suspended at the end, um, you know, it, it went ahead and completed. Then he gets full points. Yeah, <laughs> that's the rule. So, you know, and so that's so there is a case where if he had done 28 laps at Suzuki, and this is why I wanted to bring it up, because next year, let's say we complete 28 laps and the guy only gets 75 percent. Everyone's going to be confused. Mm -hmm. So but, you know, the key is that they suspended it at the beginning and then they restarted, which erases the suspension. So the per the percentages only apply in a case where the race has been suspended, um, as it was in Spa last year, and and where the race cannot resume, right? Yeah. Like Spa, where it finished. Under Correct. Safety. Yeah. Cool. So yeah, um, but but Horner and everybody else is saying, okay, the FIA needs to spell this out because apparently I I saw I read the rule. I don't believe they spelled it out. At least what I'm reading here on the F1.com site. Um. So assumably that's what that the intention all along was the way they used it, you know, this time correctly, but it just wasn't clear to the team. So that's something that uh, all the team principals just have asked the FIA to clarify for 2023. Yeah. And, and I think they should, I think the, the, this was kind of a one-off because usually when a race gets red flagged for inclement weather, it does not restart. And yet it did here. So that's it was kind of a one off. And that the specific situation that we had this weekend was not specifically understood by by the, the teams. And I do think that's kind of funny that like none of the team principals understood that none of the drivers understood that even Crofty, the announcer, didn't understand that. But, you know, it is what no, it is. And Jensen Button didn't either. The, the, if yeah, you, yeah. If you go back and listen, they were they were talking about it and they said, well, he'll get 75 percent points. But I think he's still going to be one shy. And then but then the situation with Le Leclerc getting pushed back five seconds that lowered his points. So then they're like, well, wait a minute. Now it's closer. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. And then they go, and then they, that's when they said, no, I think he's got it now, you know, after the penalty came in and then they went and looked at the points again and they go, no, he doesn't because they were looking at the partial point, the 75% point for first, second, third. And they go, Oh no, he, he didn't, you know? And then they're like, wait, no, he yeah. did. <laughs> so yeah. that's why it kept going back and forth. And, and when I, you know, again, we go no, ahead. yeah. When I watched back the race, um, I I noticed that the graphics, the on-screen graphics, were only ever showing full points. And yet, every time that they did that, the announcers, the the commentators were were like, uh, yeah, that that's not right. But it actually was. Yeah. <laughs> so I just thought that was kind of funny too. Right, right. I mean, this is, and this is why we wanted to bring it up. You yeah. Know, one of the things we mentioned is, you know, you and I are both kind of detail oriented, and we, yeah. if people take the time to listen to us, we want you to be smarter than your buddies who follow F one. So, <laughs> it, if you take the time to hear us out, then these are the kind of things we'll explain so that you can explain it to your yeah. Buddies. So, <laughs> well, and and the good news Bottom is, e even without this race, there's four left, and as long as Max gets one point ahead of Leclerc in any of them, this result kind of doesn't matter. So, 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's clearly within the rules, but and this and honestly, when you have two years in a row where you have the FIA involved in things, and this is something that I don't know if we want to talk about now or put off later. But no, we it can. Just, it shows the nature of F one compared to other sports, like yeah, football or true. baseball. You know, when when you uh, you know, like in baseball, you know, if you win the, you know, you know, it ends at the three outs in the ninth inning. Whoever has the most points wins. That's it. There's no rules that come into the play. There's no, you know, penalties that have to be assessed after the game that could change the points. Yeah. And same thing with football, but motorsports is different and, you know, it's not really to be judged. It just, it is what it is. There's a lot of rules with motorsports. Um, and now we could always discuss whether or not there are too many rules and you and I, I think at some point we'll have a deeper discussion on that. Maybe. Yeah, for sure. I think that would be a good discussion to have. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, it can get to the point where it's so I'll use the word litigious, but there's, you know, there's so many laws that um, nobody can pay attention to. It's like the, you know, IRS code, like you know, yeah. if there's <laughs> yeah, no one geez, person yeah. that knows all the tax law, you know? And if it gets, if it, and the closer it approaches, that it, it's you're going to be mired in confusion. So I think the FIA needs to probably streamline the rules and just use common sense on some things. Yeah. And and, and there's ways to do that. So Yeah, and, but, but I, I don't want to stray too far from the brilliant drive that not only has no. Max had all year, but this weekend in particular was another prime example of that. Honestly, I, I, I kind of felt like this race was a a brilliant um and an uncanny even uh analogy for the entire season you have max driving yeah. out of his mind and then leclerc struggling in his ferrari now granted he didn't always struggle he did put in leclerc has put in a lot of impressive laps right but, or, or, or races but you know there's always something wrong with the ferrari it seems and that that again happened this time and and the and then the other crucial thing the really crucial thing that i don't hear anyone else talking about is how absolutely unbelievably important perez has been to max's drive this year to to that team yeah, in general a, that's <laughs> well to both his champions absolutely be, because this time around perez like if perez isn't there he doesn't force the mistake on leclerc leclerc gets second max doesn't win yet and and right, it's right, like, right. but because Perez was there putting the pressure and probably would have passed him anyway uh, on the following lap if there was another lap. And and like if he wasn't there, things wouldn't have played out that way. Yeah, I, I agree totally. Let's, let's put a little bit of detail on that so everybody knows what we're talking about. But in the very last, you know, Perez was was getting closer and closer and closer to Leclerc, caught him up a few laps before the end. But in the last lap of the race, he made a couple moves on him, and darn near pulled it off. Almost, um, you know, like yeah. m mid course. But then in the so what he did is he was right on him, and and here's the situation: Leclerc's enters uh, had gone away. Uh, the Ferrari was hard on the tires. I think that's what you were alluding to earlier about Ferrari having problems. Yeah, yeah. So they, you know, the uh, the tires were because it's really the only issue they had. At least Leclerc did that uh, this race, but his the Ferrari eight front tires in this course, uh, which Pirelli said, you know, that this course was going to eat tires. So, but anyway, um, and so on the very last corner, Perez was like right there and had a good run on him, and Leclerc had to push it if he was going to maintain second position. 
he had to push it. And then, and he wound up blowing the last corner, the very last corner he ran off the road. But when he rejoined the circuit, he kind of rejoined in front of Perez blocking him and he had a shorter uh, distance. So you're not allowed to, you know, to maintain an advantage if you go off the circuit. And he did. Yeah, that's literally the name of the regulation is leaving the track yeah. and gaining an advantage is the penalty. Right. So. Yeah, and that's what happened. So, and even the guys in the booth, uh, Jensen Button and Crofty, they all said, no, he's going to have to give up that position. You know, like if you understand the rules, it was obvious this wasn't even a question. So if anybody's thinking that Leclerc got ripped off, you know, I mean. Even Leclerc in the post-race interview, when they asked him about that, he was like, yeah, that was the, I don't have any complaints yes. about that. That's, I messed up. That's what no. should have happened. So yeah, yeah. Like, and sometimes these guys have they have to go back and watch the video yeah. and it and you know in their minds you know like uh, for example Vettel you know he ran into Alonso and goes Alonso just ran into me <laughs> right before he spun yeah. off but it's like when when you look at back Alonso his car does not move like I was if you look at the right the white line on the right as a is like where his car is in the lap he never moves and literally Vettel just drives into him and then spins off and blames it on Alonso. So, you know, but I'm sure once he, he, he when he'll go back and look at that, he's going to go, uh, yeah, that was me. <laughs> so, yeah, I think he actually did during the red flag. I think he actually did watch that back and was like, oh, whoops. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So but anyway, getting back to, you know, Leclerc, he had no issue with it. And I just mentioned that in case anybody thinks, oh, they took it or they, you know, they just handed this to Verstappen. It's like, no, they, you know, they really no. didn't. They just applied the rules. And again, you know, and this is even true in 2021, uh, you know, I think there's too much, in my opinion, and I'll just mention this briefly, but there's too much focus on Abu Dhabi of last year, you know, that there's a whole bunch of races in the calendar and any one of these races can change the title at the end of the season. Oh yeah. You know, you know, Lewis made a mistake and took himself out of a race, you know, and all sorts of problems happen. Yeah. So, if, if any one of the races where Leclerc's engine blew up didn't happen he'd still be in the fight. Right. Like exactly. all it takes is one of exactly. those to not happen. And, you know, or, or if Max had no DNFs, it wouldn't even be an issue. Yeah. He would have won before True. Singapore. Pro. Yeah. So, you know, there's just so many things that go into it. It's just, you know, I know it's easy to get focused, you know, like in other sports, when you get down to like game seven of the world series, but formula one, isn't necessarily like that. You know, yeah. it's, it's, it, well, I guess in baseball, it's kind of the same way, you know, and, you know, it's a culmination of a season, but you can even have a substandard season, but get a wild card berth and then go all the way to win the World Series. In Formula One, it's not really like that. So yeah, there, there's no do over. That, ha that happens in the in the NFL a lot. You get a wild okay. uh, uh, wild card playoffs. Like the the Giants did yeah. that when both times they got, won the Super Bowl, beating Tom Brady. They they were a wild card, I believe, and they okay. they went the whole way. Okay. But yeah. Yeah, and it's yeah, it 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 happens. I think yeah, the, in baseball it happens, you know, and it's not necessarily common. The stronger teams tend to prevail, but every once in a while, a strong team peters out at the end, and one of the underlings comes through and takes it all. So, and in Formula One, it's a little bit different. You know, there's as there's so many things going on in this sport, but. Um, but the last race, you know, like last year, it made it super exciting. Very, very rare. First time since the 80s that two drivers had gone in tied for the points. And in this case, if Max had not won at Suzuka, you know, there's very high likelihood he would win in Austin. 
uh, in two weeks' time. So you know, all he would have to do is get a single point. You know. Well, so, okay. So hold on. Before we forget, <laughs> I think we've we've yeah. um, uh, driven that point home. Before we forget and move on to another topic, I still want to just yep. circle back to Max's brilliant drive in this race because he oh, pulled yeah, off absolutely. maybe the most impressive overtake I have ever seen out of him, certainly this year. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, th- that pass on the first lap. Well, you know, he passes. They're side by side in turn one. <laughs> and then he, then he gets slightly ahead going through the outside, which is not the line, especially in In rain. the wet, yeah. He he. <laughs> And he and he was able to break later because he took the outside line, but he clearly he he break much uh, later than Leclerc, giving him this half car advantage, which he held through turn one. And then by the end of turn two, he was able to slip in front of Leclerc. I mean, and the thing is now put yourself in Max's position. He knows he can clinch the title in this race. He knows that it's wet. He knows that it's raining. He knows that this is like exactly what he shouldn't be doing. <laughs> because if Leclerc slides, if Leclerc pushes for the position, he could very easily slide up the track and take Max out. Yeah. And you know, they would both they would both be out at that point. And that would be crazy because that would move Perez up the ladder for potential, you yeah. know, drivers championship. But so to me, that but he raced he did he raced. he did and he pushed yeah. and to me that shows the amount of respect that these drivers have for each other especially yes max and leclerc in particular because if let's let's swap things out let's say that's george russell who's a much younger newer driver uh let's say that's yeah. i don't know somebody like yuki Sonoda. i don't mean to dig at either of or, these drivers. or or uh or Norris, Landon or Norris. Norris. Yeah, I don't mean to dig at them at all, but they're a no, little bit no. more of a wild card, and you you don't know that they're going to control the car. Whereas Max was confident that Leclerc would not run into him, and I just like the amount of yeah. respect and trust that he has in his competitor. I just I love that. I love seeing stuff like that. And this this track is truly hard to pass. Yeah, on. and with the rain rate, with it being a rain race, they never enabled DRS. You know, so the uh, and, you know, I don't know if all those things were going through Max's mind, but I assume they were. And he knew, like, I have to get in front this lap or I could be in trouble, you know, and he just didn't want to play catch up the whole race. And he just pushed it. And that shows how confident he is. Mm -hmm. He's confident not only in Leclerc, that Leclerc, if he does run into him, couldn't help it. But you know he was taking a risk. Sure, Make yeah, yeah, no mistake. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but even then, you know, he he had to have confidence in himself, and so he was not waltzing to a victory. No, and yeah. So and that that is a good point. He in essence, it turns out he won the race. You know, you could argue that that move clinched the race for him and the title. Well, except um, that on the it, on the contrary, sir. Excuse me. He finished the race. On the road, it was 26, uh, almost 27 seconds, I believe, ahead yes. of Leclerc. Like, that's an entire pit stop ahead. Well, but you're assuming he could have passed him at some point. Yes, I am, because with that kind of a pace difference where it's about a second a lap, I mean, come on, man. He would have gotten I it know. done. I, like, I don't know. I don't I don't know that for a fact, because this track without DRS is hard to pass on. Look at Look at the problems, you know other drivers had i you know i i mean there may be some truth it's hypothetical but i'm just saying sure. 
that that you know on a on a track like this and if you're trying to overtake somebody you're pushing hard and who knows what it would have led to so yeah but it's the just fact usually the is, when there's about a second a lap pace difference you can pass without drs that's i think like what it requires is, is roughly a second a lap i mean don't quote me on that I, well I it depends wrong, it depends for your fastest though see that you know, again, you have to call, you have to quantify these things. Oh, yeah. For example, okay. if your car's way faster in slow corners or in. Oh, that's a good point. Then the, if it's the, faster the, in the places you can't pass, then what's it matter? Right. <laughs> right. Like the only reason that Mercedes was even close to Ferrari and Red Bull is because they're faster in the corners. Yeah. Than they are on straights, as we saw. But, <laughs> you know, so that's, you know, but again, again, those are nuances that are fun to debate. But, you know, I, I'm. Not, but not to take away from what Max did. I think, in other words, in my opinion, anyway, it was a crucial pass to get himself in front. And then, and here's the other thing. In a race like that, you want to have as clear of a view as possible. And he did because yeah. he wasn't going through spray. And that could have also explained why he was farther ahead. Um, and why Leclerc chose to be a bit behind in order simply to have a clear vision to be safer in his car. You know, if it was a dry race, Leclerc may have been closer the whole race. Yeah, you know? no, true. Because it also would have been on a different compound that maybe wouldn't have gotten eaten as quickly. So, like, it all right. would have been different. But, you know. And it also shows how, how amazing what Perez did was because he followed right on. Oh, true. Spray yeah. and all. I didn't even think right, about that. Right. Right on Leclerc's. <laughs> yeah, he's dealing with the spray. He's dealing with the poor visibility, yeah. and yet he's right on his butt for lap after lap, trying to get around him and putting pressure on him. Like that's yeah, yeah that's even more impressive. Speaking of spray, should we broach the uh, spray subject at this point? Sure. I mean, yeah, <laughs> a good segue, I suppose. Um, yeah. Uh, so uh, that there unless was. There's anything else we want to talk? You know, but. No, Go I ahead. mean there there are there are other things about the race, but this was a big talking point around the race was should we even be racing in these conditions? Is is the spray too much? Because honestly, it isn't the uh the grip, you know, the the kind of traction that you have on the surface is not the concern. It's it's the visibility, the fact that there's so much spray from the guy is in front of you that you just can't see. Well, I think I think in the wet, when it rains hard enough, traction is always going to be. A concern. Right. But I mean, but that it, isn't you know, like, that isn't why there was discussions around. Should they even have been racing? No, but it is why they red flagged the race. Sure. They, they red okay. flagged the race out of concern for traction. But he, I guess the issue I'm driving at is this year they've redesigned the cars. They brought back in the ground effects. Um, and, uh, you know, Adrian Newey mastered master of ground effects. You know, that's why they engineered the rebel and they've been doing so well. It's all about ground effects, but there is a dark side to ground effects. And that is, you know, um, the, these cars, they have two issues. They, they have 18 inch wheels now or tires, I guess it's wheels. They went from 13 to 18 and then, and the wheels are wider too. So they have much bigger wheels. They're cranking out. Um, liters of water, some amazing amount, like, you know, between 50 and 100 or maybe even more liters of water per second on those large tires and on the full wets. And then um, at the same time, you have the ground effects um, that are that's shooting the spray up. Well, so the tires create the spray. The ground effects acts like a fan to blow it up, you know, down the track. So there's two things going on, probably unintended consequences of ground effects. So, 
um, so the question is, you know, we have, in other words, the spray issue is worse this year than it was last year. So I think, you know, we still race in the rain. F1 always has. Rain races are classic. They're wonderful. They're so much fun. But um, because it tests, it brings in different skill qualities. Some drivers are good, wet drivers, some aren't, you know, and that sort of thing. So, and it shows that it, it, in order to win a, a rain race, you have to be a well-rounded driver. So, you know, it does, I like it personally. Oh, yeah. And I, you know, they're very exciting. Yeah. Every time it's going to rain, we get all excited because it, it not only throws things into chaos, but it also means that the, the drivers who are the most complete in their skill set are the ones that are going to shine. And now, granted, right, sometimes right. you get flukes like like and we'll maybe get to this later. But, you know, Latifi coming ninth, he sh he had no business being there. But, hey, it was wet. So who cares? All bets are off. And that that yeah, doesn't yeah. happen in the dry. And so that makes it cool, too. But well, yeah, because, you know, the calendar is going to be a mix mainly of dry, but there will be rain races. There always are every year, hopefully at least one or two. And and but what is interesting is you do have drivers being strong, you know, in this like you have Perez winning both a wet Monaco and a wet Singapore. Oh, yeah, uh, because those were those were tight road courses but they were also wet. Now, on a course like Suzuka, Max just flew through it, you know, because his car is so darn stable, even in the wet. Yeah. Um, with the fast turns and everything. But it just brings a whole other level of complexity into things that's interesting. So, but I, I think simply what the FIA needs to do is um, tell the cars, tell the manufacturers, you know, the teams, okay, um, you guys have to live with the rules as we've dictated them for, you know, uh, ground effects and tire and blah, 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 blah. But at the same time, you know, if we're running in rains with full wets, you have to be able to reduce the spray by 50%. You figure out how to do it. That's typically what they do. And I don't, you know, and, and or they're going to have to change the rules or do something, but, um, or That's yeah, I really don't know what it is, but I think the FIA can tell the teams, look, go, go fix it. Because in theory, then if somebody fixes it in a way that not only reduces the spray, but makes their car faster in the wet, that that team is going to win all the rain races. Mm. So it brings There's in a thought. whole new, yeah, it brings in a whole new aspect of strategy and engineering. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, I like that. Know. I tend to like, uh, I get annoyed sometimes when the FIA is like, here's how you engineer your car. It's like, shouldn't you let the engineers do that? Like the, the guys who are, I don't know, paid on uh, ungodly amounts of money by these teams to figure right. that stuff out. Shouldn't you let them figure that out? So I, I do like the idea of the FIA just being like, you guys fix this. <laughs> yeah, I, like, I think I think we in the off season, we you know, we want to have a whole session about. And this gets back to the rules and everything yeah. else with the FIA. You know, I, I think, you know, the FIA certainly was not as involved in the engineering of cars once upon a time. Yeah. And, and I love that era, you know, where you get things like a, you know, two two rear axles in a Williams and, you know, stuff like that. Or, and, you know, four front and, tires on what, what was it? Ben yeah. Not Benetton. Yeah. Um, McLaren or something. No, I forget the name. Tyrrell, maybe? It might have been Tyrrell. But yeah, there there's things like that where, and there were reasons why they did it. They experimented, uh -huh. you know, and the, you know, like with the, I know with the two rear axles, they determined, like Williams determined that the, uh, 
the size of the tires was the greatest was creating the greatest coefficient of drag. Mm. So they actually determined that by, you know, making smaller rear tires, but having two f- driven axles in the rear, that they could reduce drag and have the same amount or more uh, speed. And, you know, the car technically never raced in F1. But, you know, I love that idea where the engineers can come up with these really cool ways of doing things. And now the FIA is so sticky about it that the cars are, you know, they're, the difference in cars is decreasing. It's probably the least it's ever been. The cars are more similar than not, in other words. And I, I don't like that. I think Formula One should be the Formula One, the best of the best. You should have some general guidelines for the max weight of the car, the min weight, you know, things like that. Yeah. Um, but then after that, it should be like, okay, boys, you know. Yeah. There's that <laughs> you know. concept that we've been toying with, the Formula Unlimited series, where if they were just to right. really strip back all the rules. And, and we will have a deep dive thought experiment about that in a standalone episode at some yeah. point. So I don't want to necessarily yeah. get off on that rabbit hole. But yeah, yeah. I, think, I think kind of bringing it back to the weekend, um, I think it, it's just, it's really impressive the amount of, control that these drivers have the amount of trust that they have with each other that they're just they're going into a corner where they can't really fully see the guy in front of them and they're trusting that the guy is going to navigate the corner correctly and i just it's really admirable to see that going on and where where they're all able to not only have the skill to do that in those conditions but have the trust in their fellow competitors to not be not be morons in the weather you know and and right and and as you know i i haven't always been a fan of this because we had guys like pushing passes early in races and being taken out by people that they shouldn't have trusted oh yeah so i still i still think there needs to be a big you know asterisk next to this but you know, there are cases where you can pass. There's some people I would pass knowing that they're not going to get to it. Like, you know, like honestly, of all the um, experienced drivers, the one I would have the, I'd probably be the most cautious about passing in a highly competitive situation would be Alonzo <laughs> because yeah. he, he will kind of own the track, Yeah, you know, <laughs> But at the same time, Vettel, I would pass Vettel, you know, like if I had a chance to do it, even if it was going to be tight, I would totally trust him, you know, and I would trust Perez and, you know, like things like that. Most of the drivers I would, but there's a few I'd be like, "Eh, it's only lap three, I think I'm going to hang back. (laughs) I know, I know my car's faster once DNRS is enabled, I'll be, yeah, whatever, so... Yeah, well, speaking of controlling your car, I do also want to briefly mention the the you know, we we did rag on Leclerc a little bit for making that mistake and and his car eating tires, but I also want to say that his defense of uh, on Perez was extremely impressive. He was able oh. his car was slower. Yeah. There was no question about it. But I, I don't blame him for the for running wide on the last oh, turn. Yeah. That's not his fault. It, it, uh, honestly, he he had to do it, or he was going to get overtaken anyway. Yeah. So. No, but my my point being, he had such an impressive defense just through positioning his car and his control oh, yeah. over exactly where he's putting his car to make it the most difficult for Perez to pass. And and another driver that did that very very well was Acon in his battle with Hamilton. That battle was, I think, the highlight of the race. That was just so cool to watch lap after lap after lap of these two guys going at it. And Akon, 
a guy I wouldn't have expected to be that that strong in that kind of a situation. I, I think that was the most impressive thing I've ever seen from him. That was just so huh. cool. Oh, oh yeah, it was it was good from him. There's a lot of things to draw. I'm not, you know, again, I'm not sure I would say it's the most impressive part of the race, but well, um, you know, the it was most exciting. I mean, they focused on it. They focused on it a lot with the cameras and F1, but you know, there's other reasons for that, I think. But, um, but it was, what was interesting to me is, yeah. Okay. Ocon had, I mean, Alpine is coming up in the world at the end of the season here. They're very competitive Mm -hmm. and that is amazing to see. He's a good driver, but what was interesting to me, super interesting is that, you know, Lewis could not, his car simply lacked, enough straight line speed that he couldn't get around the guy. He, as soon as he pulled out from behind him, he'd slow down when he didn't have a slipstream. So, you know, the, the Mercedes was, is really still not this year. They're, they're just not back here. We are almost at the end of the season. Driver's championships been determined and they still can't pass an Alpine in the street. Yeah. They just, they just Crazy. generate too much drag. And during the corner that provides downforce and that makes them strong in corners, but on the straights, it just slows them down. Well, they were even sometimes they're slippery in corners and they're still limited on drown for it. That's Grant, true. I just think, you yeah. know, I think the car is just, it's just not as quick. Yeah. You know, in other words, they fixed the porpoising issue. I didn't see any porpoising in the Mercedes on this course, which I was really glad to see. But, um, but they, they lost top end speed by doing that. Mm-hmm. But so. regardless, though, I think the, the, the broader point of, Alpine's strength here and and especially that very impressive performance from Akon. I mean, he he yeah. literally he finished what fourth? Yeah, fourth. That's like his best result yes. of the year and I think it was a more impressive drive than his win last year, honestly. I mean, oh, yeah. it was it, that that was just so cool to see and then Alonso coming in seventh. Um yeah. and and you know, it it reminded me of our conversation last week where you were like the main thing here is to not draw any conclusions from the results here in Singapore. And yes. what was funny is I heard a lot of commentators being like, "Oh, is McLaren back? They're gonna they're gonna challenge out." It's like, no, no, they're not. Right. Here we are in <laughs> Japan, and it, in the results, you have um, Norris tenth, Ricardo eleventh, and then Alpine. Yeah. Uh, you have Akon fourth and Alonso seventh, and like. It, they were McLaren was like two points ahead of Alpine last week, and here yeah. they are. They're um, in the constructors' standings. Alpine is now thirteen points ahead of McLaren after yeah. just one race, and it's just like, yep. yeah, like <laughs> the the picture is clear here. It's like Alpine to me is like it's their fourth is theirs to lose, and it, it they just need to to drive it home. But I, I yes. just all around it, and. Alpine just put in a really, really good performance. And even Alonzo, like if you look at the, he, they didn't really show it on the broadcast, but he and Vettel were side by like nose to nose going across the line. I actually have the timing here, the the time difference. Vettel crossed the line. um, This is in time behind the leader. So he was plus 46.358 seconds. So 0.358. And Alonzo was 46.369. So they were like right next to each other crossing the line. And it's like, that's just cool to see, man. (laughs) Oh, yeah, absolutely. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I felt bad. I felt bad for Lewis because that guy tried everything he could, but you know. Yeah. And again, some other time we don't want to get into DRS. I mean, probably right now, but yeah. You know, um, again, without DRS, he didn't stand a chance. And now the question is, what, what you know. I don't, you know, is that an argument for DRS or should we just let the engineers determine which cars are Man, faster? Man, we do, we do not... a whole lot of foreshadowing to future episodes, do, don't we? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and this is one that I think yeah, we want to go in depth. And Absolutely. that's the question. So if you're listening, be thinking about that. You know, DRS, yes, it does, it does allow more passing, but is it kind of a cheat? Are you cheating at that point by allowing a substandard car to overtake a faster car? Yeah. Um, you know, by using DRS. So that that's kind of the question that we want to Or is DRS simply a necessary evil given the design of the cars? That's kind of the other side of the coin. So. Well, yeah, yeah. And that that we can get into, which is what the twenty twenty two car was supposed to address, but only addressed half of it. So but we'll 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 get into that at a future time. <laughs> yeah. So uh any anything else to discuss before we switch gears into a yes. different topic? Uh well it depends what the topic is. I think um were we going to talk about uh, the Gasly situation? Yeah, we we definitely should talk about that. Um wh- where do you wanna where do you wanna start with approaching that topic? Well, I, I just think it needs to be mentioned, um, uh, you know, because it's a, you know, and I hate to, you know, I don't want this to be too much of a negative, but there was a, poten- a potentially disastrous situation that came up in this race that um, they didn't even show the video of this. It was so bad. <laughs> and, and and that's this. I watched so the, it later the... and it was gnarly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it was not good. So. But here's what happened. So as you know, in the first lap, there was a lot of debris on the track. And um, when signs went into the wall, a piece of like cardboard or plastic or something from a sign went into the track. When Gasly rode over that, you, he couldn't see it till the last second. Um, it gets stick, stuck to his front wing, damaged the front wing a little bit, but he couldn't hardly see past it. He had to get back to the pits. So before the red flag came out, before they red flagged it, they were under a safety car at this point. He left the pits, gets back up on the track, and his goal in life is to catch up to the pack because in his mind, they're only under a safety car. So he's doing approximately 200 uh, kph, kilometers per hour. That's about 120 miles an hour, trying to catch up to the pack in the rain. And as he's doing that, they throw a red flag and immediately after the they they throw a red flag or maybe even before that a safety vehicle like a crane had come on track i think two of them actually to retrieve cars now i think it was a flatbed and a crane yeah truck and a crane and so and and so what you have is these two safety vehicles enter the track and the well there's still cars on the track there's, you know, Formula One cars on the track and they're unaware of them. And Gasly, now remember, it's raining. His visibility is nil. He passes one of these vehicles at 200 kilometers per hour, 120 miles an hour, and basically couldn't see it till the last second and just happened to go past it. So 
And the reason that this is an issue is this is the track that we lost Jules Bianchi at 14 years ago yeah. because he went off track and hit a safety vehicle. In similar and, conditions. Um, it was like raining and it, he just lost grip and ran into it. Yeah. Went off, well, the, court, off the track into it. Yeah. Well, yeah. But I mean, the, the problem is that that's why we now have safety cars. Um, they had a yellow flag previously. And the cars could still run. They just had to slow down for that sector. And in, in this case now, because of his death, he, he didn't die at the track, but he succumbed like a month or two later from his injuries. Yeah. But uh, it was due to away. the injuries that he got by that sure. accident. Yeah. yeah. He just never recovered. And unfortunately, which is, you know, obviously sad. He was a really well-liked driver. Yeah. A lot of people knew him and he was just a great guy. And it's a tragic situation. But we... In essence, Gasly could have run into the back of one of these safety vehicles doing 120 miles an hour. Honestly, folks, he was at even at more risk of doing that than Bianchi was yeah. because in this case, the the truck was on the track on and track. not only on the track but driving the wrong way around the circuit to get yeah. to the the crash. Now, this would have been catastrophic. The cars aren't designed these cars are safety designed, but they're not designed for that style of like head-on collision. It's impact possible <laughs> that the halo could have saved him, but I'd, I'm not, not going to sit there and wanting to test that, right? Like, well, the halo's there for flipping over primarily, but and for things know, like tires it, or other parts flying at you. Not well, it's the structure that's in the safety pod that the driver sits in. Yeah, would yeah. have had to, and also you have the issue of there's there. You know, the drivers are in these cars so tight that he would have experienced more G-forces than a human can survive, you know, if he had hit a head-on collision. that That's why we have tire barriers and safer barriers and water barriers and other yeah, things. Yeah, just you know. dispersing all that force. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And these cars are amazing, but they're not designed for like a road, tra like a regular um, civilian road traffic accident. You know, they're not designed for crashing in those situations. So um, the bottom line is, and it would have ruined, it, you know, it would have been a horrible situation. I mean, uh, you know, we don't even want to go there. No, I, I, I don't really want to go there. So, but, <laughs> I, but and there is some man. concern that that the reason this has happened twice at Suzuka and not to take anything away from this awesome track, but at this track, the marshals have a habit of instant of trying to clear problems as quickly as possible, like instantly getting out there and clearing problems, which on, like on paper is respectable, but you can't always but not. You can't risk there. There just needs to be a hard and fast rule that if there is a F1 car on the course, no matter what speed, no matter where they are, five feet away from pit entrance, you do not get no other vehicle except the uh, medical car is allowed on the road. And then, and then once they, once all the cars are in the pits, then fine, bring out the army, bring out the tanks, do what you want. Well, <laughs> I, I think in these you know. conditions in particular, yes. I, I, if it, if the track is completely dry, then I don't think we necessarily no, need I to disagree. worry about that. I absolutely disagree. You should never have Formula One cars and heavy equipment on the track at the same time under any mm. circumstances. Well, I think there's situations. I mean, that that's the way the drivers feel. You know, nobody disagrees. I, you know, I mean, I don't mean to trump you here, but. That I listened to a lot of discussions afterwards, and and again, this this track at Japan, they do have this his, you know, like I am like you, I appreciate them wanting to fix things as fast as possible, but 
I think the FIA simply, you know, and this is one time where I appreciate a rule being either clarified or, you know, a new rule if necessary. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. You know, it's just, it's the only way to guarantee that there's not another disaster. And it almost happened. So it's going to have to be addressed. And you know the, you know the heck of it? What? Didn't they, didn't they charge Gasly with, they penalized him for something. Oh, jeez. The yeah, they did. They penalized him for speeding under... It was either under, under the, the yellow safety flag. car when he was trying to catch up. I know. The pack. Yeah, it was it's like, like, oh, you went. By hey. the way, when we almost when we almost killed you, you were going too fast. <laughs> yeah, it's like, hey, man, look, I know we almost killed you. Our bad. But you're also penalized. <laughs> yeah. For going too quickly. You yeah. Know. You're also uh, getting I, that was just an insult. to injury Yeah. At that point, you know, come on. F-I-A. Yeah. I feel like yeah. even though that is one of those hard and fast rules, I feel like for him in that uh, situation, they should have just done like a reprimand or something. But regardless. Yeah. And that's a bit of a negative. You can't blame the drivers. Can't blame Formula One. You can't really maybe not even blame the FIA. It just happened. It and just it needs happens. to be fixed. And that's that. And thank God that there was not. Absolutely. You know, nobody was injured in anything. So are we ready to move on to our hot seat questions? Because I, I very briefly want to run through the top five um, standings of both the teams and, and the, the okay. drivers, just because we like to do that every episode. So oh, yeah. where things stand currently right now for the drivers, you have obviously Max out in front. He's clinched the title. Yay, Max. Um, he's at 366 points. Behind him now is Perez on 253. One point behind him is Leclerc on 252. And then in fourth still is George Russell on 207. And Carlos Sainz, not helped by his DNF, is still fifth no. at 202. And then the Constructors battle is still on, though Red Bull is looking very strong on that, and they'll probably wrap that up in the next race or two. They are still first at 619. Ferrari is still second at 454, and uh, Mercedes is third on 387. And we already mentioned that Alpine is 14 points ahead of McLaren at 143 to McLaren's 130. So, yeah, interesting stuff there. Um, Yeah, and I'll just mention that I heard, I haven't verified this, but I heard somebody mention, like, on the broadcast that... um, Red Bull cannot clinch the constructors title in Texas. Ah, oh, that's so a shame. They'll, that well, kind of yes and kind of no because I think it would be cool for them to clinch the um title in Mexico with Checo's own oh, crowd. Oh yeah. So that'll be kind of cool. That would be awesome. Yeah, yep. cuz there's already going to be a lot of Red Bull support there because of Perez. So Yeah, yeah. So I think that's a, you know, that I would be thought, a great hey, place that, to do it. That's going to work out great. Yeah, yeah. All right, so now it is time for the hot seat, which is a, a relatively new segment that we like to do where one of us asks the other a random question, well, not a random question, a but just a question that we haven't discussed ahead of time and the person being asked doesn't know what the question is. So this time it is my turn to be asked a question and it is your turn to do the asking. So what is your question, sir? I'm, I'm kind of nervous. <laughs> okay. Now don't let me get out my setup here. Okay. And, then, and you'll you and based on my setup, you 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 know you may be able to guess where I'm going, but that'll give you a few minutes. Oh boy. Okay. That. But so um, I've been I I'm you know I was watching a been watching this guy on YouTube 
Uh, he's an Australian, and he's riding a Harley Davidson through Mexico and then back to America. He went from the U.S. way down, and then he's coming back, and he's kind of chronicling his adventures down there. And he's on a road king. And, you know, the bottom line was he uh, wore out a rear tire. He didn't really plan for that. Like, he didn't bring any extra tires with him. And so it shows he went through a, a real hassle trying to find a rear tire, you know, and he was basically riding on a flat tire with his rim, you know, trying to go Oof. from little town to little town to find a. So he finally found this little shop and they had a tire of the correct diameter that would fit on the wheel, but it was a sport bike tire and he was running touring tires like uh, Dunlop K591 touring type tires that have, you know, they're uh, not radials, they're bias ply and they have a taller sidewall. So, but the only I thing I actually they had understood was, everything you just said. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and you know, the, the bias ply tires have a taller sidewall if you have these radials and stuff, you know, like even on cars, you know, low profile tires. Same, same thing is true in the motorcycle yeah. world. And so, in essence, what he got was a, they had a sport bike tire. It looked like a, um, uh, I think he said it was a Bridgestone, you know, but it looked kind of like a uh, Pirelli to me. But um, it very similar tire to what I rode on my last sport touring bike. And But anyway, so uh, he put that on, and it caused a couple of problems. You know, it lowers the height of the bike slightly in the rear uh, because it was a shorter tire due to the sidewall. But anyway, without going into too many details, um then, you know, he and he had that tire and that got him through and he was really happy about it. But he wanted what he called a Harley tire put back on the bike. And then finally he got back up to the States and got a, another Dunlop put on and he was really happy with it. But and that reminded me of this, you know, this guy is like he's, you know, he does travel a lot on his motorcycle, but he's not like as mechanical as maybe I am. And, you know, he's newer. He's into motorcycles, but not, he's on his way to becoming a real into it. Let's put it that way. You know what I mean? So, and I was, it reminded me that uh, in my, you know, when I was, when I am touring a lot, I will sometimes I'll either put a, what in to bring this back into F1 terms, I will put a soft or medium tire on the front, depending on what I'm going to be doing during the lifespan of the next tire. And then I'll either put a medium or hard tire on the back because the rears wear quicker than the front. And my goal is to wear them out simultaneously to save money. You know? So here's my quote based on that. Like this is something that's done. And uh, but if I'm just going to be like sport riding for a, for a whole tire season, then I'm putting a soft on the front and a medium on the back because that that'll those will wear out about the same time. And, you know, blah, blah, blah. So um, here's here's my here's my question. Yeah, I'm I'm listening to all this lead up going. I I I think I know where he's going. No, 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 I don't know where. What me is that where he's going? No, 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 I don't know where he's going. <laughs> okay, so here's here's what I'm thinking. <laughs> okay, why I why and this kind of gets back to the FIA being maybe a little too involved in things, but the FIA currently mandate there's at least use at least two different compounds of tires, mm -hmm. but I think wouldn't it be interesting? And this is my question. What do you think about the FIA n not mandating, like you don't have to change all the tires, that you have to change at least one or more, but it, at least one tire or more and, you know, to a different compound. You don't have to go all four. And then, and we could talk about that a little bit because there are some tracks that will wear out. There are some tracks, and I actually made a note of this, that are considered like, um, front or they're considered front tire 
favorite tracks. Or let, let, let's put it this way. There's rear limited and front limited. So um, rear limited tracks include Bahrain, Baku, Monaco, Montreal in Canada, Austria, Singapore, Mexico, and Abu Dhabi. Those, those tracks typically wear out the rear tires before the front. And then the, the tracks that tend to be harder on front tires are Austria, Imola, France, Spa, Sochi, Suzuka, as we saw this weekend, um, Austin, and Brazil, and Zandvoort. Those tracks tend to be harder on the front tires. So as a point of strategy, you know, if you're on a tire that's harder on the fronts, why couldn't you run a medium tire on the front and a soft tire on the rears? And then... And then to take it a step further, there's some tracks that they wear out the right front tire more than the left front or vice versa. Could you, what about putting a soft on the left, you know, and if you look at sprint cars that go in the dirt, they have a huge tire on the side that, you know, like if they're, if it's a counterclockwise circuit, they have a huge tire on the right rear, you know, and then a smaller one on the left rear because it takes more traction on the other side, you know, that kind of thing. So bringing that sort of thinking into F1 in a concept of um, just adding more and more strategy to to the game. And I think they should do away with the uh, mandatory tire compound changes. I think that's the FIA getting too involved in things. But I won't. that doesn't necessarily have to be part of the question. But what do you think about running mixed compounds and, you know, and how do you think that would change the game? Well... Out of all of the potential questions you could have asked me, I never would have guessed that. <laughs> and I, I warned you about that. <laughs> I told you I got a good one this time. Yeah. So, I mean, on principle, I have no problems. Bring it on. I think that would be awesome. However, there's a couple of potential problems that I could see that that might prevent that from happening. So, like, firstly, if you only wanted to change two tires... Why would you only change two tires? Because like if you go into the pits, you might as well change them all because changing them all is as quick as changing two. Okay, that that's a good point. But I can I have an answer for that if you want to know. Or, or well, I can... no, but I mean, but but just as easily you could put hards on the on the rear and mediums on the front or whatever, and you could just change them all right. that way. So I mean, fair point. But the other condi- the other thing I have is like. If you're not changing pairs, okay, well, let me just set, set this out. This was a problem that popped into my head. Okay. Is the car capable of handling different compounds on different wheels? Because the compounds actually handle and behave differently. And is the car capable of, say, you have a soft on the front left and a medium on the front right, is that going to throw off the steering and the ride of the car? I don't know. That, that, there too, that, that could be the case. There could be. I know that the uh, full wets, for example, yeah, are um, they're thicker than the inters. But I don't know if that applies to the various compounds on the slicks. But well, it, let's, it, let's, a let's soft compound it, is by definition softer than a medium or a, a hard. So there's yeah. going to be different properties of it, but that's, but you could but, just but as it may easily, not affect. It doesn't affect the overall diameter. Is what I'm saying. No, I know that, but I mean the fact that the one of the wheels is, is one of the tires is is softer than the other might. I don't know how cars how these cars work. It, it might throw off right, some right. of the the way that the handling works, the way the suspension behaves. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe can you it, just it, adjust for that? Probably. Would but you... wouldn't, wouldn't it be fun to let the teams figure that out? Oh, yeah. Perhaps yeah, to yeah. design the car to incorporate that potential. Yeah, strategy? no, that would be awesome. But 
but uh, and maybe maybe so the too. answer would just be to do it in pairs to like have the fronts be one compound and the rears be another but to be honest the thought actually had crossed my mind earlier in the year i remember watching one of the races going man and they were talking about how the the rears are almost gone but the fronts still look okay and i'm like yeah why don't you just change the rears or, or or something but changing the compound didn't cross my mind so right i'm gonna just say tentatively yes i think that would be cool uh however i think there's some logistical or practical things that need to be accounted for but maybe just let the teams account for it and come what may i don't know yeah i i think there's there's cases where you know you could run hards in the rear and mediums up front and actually get more performance out of the car on depending on what track you're on potentially than, yeah or or vice versa put mediums in the back and hards up front and you're going to be able to run longer and you'll have more performance yeah and i just i think the FIA should just say you have to you if they wanted to do it just say you know we want to see you run two compounds but how you do it is your business and I, I, in other words, give a little more control back to the teams. You could run into a situation where both the medium and the hards will run the entire duration of the race. And therefore, you could just elect to not pit that race. And honestly, pitting is the fact that the reason why two compounds are required is because it brings everyone into the pits. Because going into the pits is an exciting part of the race and it can throw you can throw wrenches into things it can it can change up the the field it, it can do a lot so they preserving that is why because otherwise everyone would just hop on now, the, now, now that's a we and i must say that's an assumption we don't know for a fact that's why they have no i'm control. pretty i'm i'm like 90 percent sure that that's why the rule exists I'm maybe 95% based on, sure. Just on, but you're based on opinion is what I'm trying no, to No, I'm based on what I have heard from like the commentators talking about why the FIA made that decision, not from yeah. my own opinion necessarily. Yeah. So I, I, could, I okay. could be wrong, but that's what I seem to recall hearing from people who would you'd think would know what they're talking about. If so. that's the case, then why require two different compounds? Why not just retire? Why not just say you have to pit once during the race? Um, I think it's because requiring two compounds is the way to guarantee that you would, you would pit. No, you can have a mandatory, like a stop and go penalty is a mandatory pit. You know, I'm just saying you could do it that way. Yeah, that's you, fair. You, you, I, and I don't have an answer for you. I, I don't know for sure why that. Yeah. Now, now the other thing that does play into this is they allot uh, X number of sets of each True. compound per race, or at least two compounds True. per race. But yeah, so, the, so. The, the point, the point I was trying to get at is we want pit stops to happen. And so having a rule of that was the thing that came to mind is like, if you get rid of the, you have to run two different compounds at different points in the race. That means that technically you could run you know flag to flag without stopping and maybe we should allow for that maybe that's a discussion in and of itself i i, I say it's fine to bring them into the pits Let, let's say it, like you have to change tires okay either two or four at some point during the race i think that's fine to say okay then yeah i have um, no problems <laughs> but i but i think i just think it would be interesting if they were free it adds strategy for example it actually does yeah and, and you know you, you could be in a track you know like uh if you have a front like a track where the fronts were out, like like Suzuka, if it's in the dry, 
you know, um, Ferrari could come in and they could put mediums on the front or hards on the front and softs or mediums on the back. Yeah. So you keep the rear end grip, but you get the front end durability. And the front end, you know, is going to last longer. That could change the outcome of the race. And now, now granted you're going to lose some grip in the front because you're on the higher, harder compound tire and it takes it longer to come up to speed, presumably and things like that. But that's strategy. And that's what, you know, that that's a strategic point that the teams, to me, it would just add enough extra complexity until they finally allow refueling. Well, that, yeah, that's the thing that, is I'm, us- I'm going through all of these scenarios in my mind of just how freaking complicated it would be. Because then not only do you have to worry about, does the driver have to worry about properly heating up the both the fronts and the rears, but now he has to think about how to do that with the compounds being different. And and not only that, it's like right. the, the sets of tires are tracked by the FAA. So now they have to track individual tires rather than sets to make sure or, that or they're a lot. A set of two instead of a set of four. Big right, but that's anything. still doubling the things they have to track. And it's just, I don't know, it, it very quickly gets complicated. But is that a problem? I don't, think it's that I don't know. I don't think so. Make them make them work for their money a little bit. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I don't. <laughs> I, I'm not trying to come up with all of these things as reasons yeah. to not do it. It's just things that no, are no, popping no. into my head that might be potential problems. But I mean, yeah, I, I think those are minor. You know, I mean, uh, yeah, they make it may be a little harder to to track, but it's not as hard. I I, I would think two is easier to track than four, to be honest. But I mean, maybe yeah. I don't know how it works. <laughs> that could but, be. You know, because I honestly think they should seriously consider refueling. We'll get into that sometime in the future. But yeah, um, yeah, bringing it back, in other words. But I think that, yeah, I just think it's like, you know, because, again, in my own sport motorcycle world life, I've I've routinely run, you know, like the same brand and type of tire, but different compounds, Hmm. you know, depending on my needs. Oh, how wild would it be if you would run into a situation where you would want to run the intermediate front tires or the wet rears or the vice versa. There you go. That would be bizarre. Maybe it just adds a layer of strategy to the game that I think would be interesting to me. More important than the fact that it's strategy is it adds a layer of freedom to the teams to make decisions that they're not right. currently allowed well, to make. Exactly. There you go. I love that. Yeah. I lo- yeah. And that's kind of what I'm getting at. I'm wanting the FIA to stop being so dictatorial and, and put some control and some autonomy back into the teams themselves, you know? So yeah, l- let me take a little bit of a, I don't know, psychological or philosophical tangent that will, will, come back to f1 so bear with me here there's this idea that rules are necessary to allow freedom to happen effectively mm-hmm. so basically if you were to take like a card game and you were just to say here's i've got a deck of cards let's play the let's play a card game what are the rules well there aren't any it's like well you y- you can't actually play when there aren't rules, basically the, the yeah, because if you don't have rules, you don't have an objective, right? There's no the freedom can't happen in that card game. You can't make free choices because there aren't any choices to make because there's no rules. So right, right. in 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 tying it back to to sports, you need a certain amount of rules in order for the competition to play out and and be. Um, effective and for for teams to be able to make their own choices but there comes a point where the rules Correct. are too much 
that it actually stifles the freedom that each team or participant can have. And so I am, this is again, foreshadowing to a future discussion where we're going to talk about this more fully. But I, I wonder if this is an area where the rules can be relaxed and that allows for more freedom to happen within the sport. And I think that would be a really interesting thing to happen. And I think that would be cool. Yeah, I think you're right. What what you're saying is there are boundaries on each end of the rule scale. Exactly. There's a point where with with without enough rules, it's too crazy and you can't predict the outcome and it's just like weird. It's it's chaos. It's chaos in essence. Yeah. And then, you know, like driving rules on the road. But what if there were no driving right. rules? You wouldn't want to drive on the road, it'd be chaos. You'd die. So and then but if there's so many rules that people can't easily understand it and participate in it and it doesn't they're just not common sense rules and if there's too many then it's then it just becomes a instead of it being a sport uh it's almost like an exercise in interpreting the rules yeah and that's what i think formula one is at risk yeah of becoming so i'll use the word again litigious of becoming so litigious and rule oriented that the rules are becoming you know, the teams are paying more attention to the rules than they are engineering principles and mechanical principles and things like that. So yeah, that that's a bigger debate. But just as far as the question in general, let's just say that the FIA agrees. I I personally think that they should be allowed to explore using multiple compounds. I think it would add something to the race. Now, maybe somebody out there knows why that that can't be done and maybe we'll get a comment or something to, to that effect yeah somewhere, but. i would be i would be very interested to hear why that why that couldn't happen um yeah but yeah i think just to kind of wrap this up i think that would be a really interesting circumstance or or particular part of the way the sport happens currently that it could be that that could be relaxed in order to provide a more exciting spectacle you know so I, I think that's I think that's a, a very interesting. There's a couple other things that could be relaxed to provide more of a exciting spectacle, but I think that's certainly one of them, and that's not something I'd considered before. So hey, you know what? I don't know if uh, how uh, how reachable he is, but I will try to shoot uh, Peter Windsor a uh, text or an email if I could find an address for him, and I'll ask him this question because. He, he's the guy he, he's a guy that you and i both highly respect he's been around f1 forever dude if you get yeah. a response from that ah oh, that'll be that would make my my whole day hey hey he may even discuss it on one of his uh you know off maybe you know he you does know, live streams i i may try to hop yeah, in there does, and ask he a does question, live stream. at any rate yeah that's true we have rambled for quite a long time is there anything else you wanted to cover before we call it a day um, I guess the last thing I wanted to mention is, you know, in case you're thinking, oh, gee, the, you know, the constructor or the uh, driver's championship's been decided. Why should I bother watching? Or it's going to make uh, Coda or Mexico or Brazil or Abu Dhabi less interesting. And the, and the bottom line is, you know, the uh, driver's championship is one out of many things. There's still a huge battle going on for the second driver's position. It would be amazing if Perez won it, then you'd have a Red Bull one and two in the driver's championships, which would be, you know, we'd have to think about the last time that happened. And um, that, you know, that the one and two weren't shared by different teams, that the same team had it. And then secondary, the constructors championship is huge and Red Bull, um, you know, it's going to take 
half of the rest of the season, at least two um, races to determine that. It could go to the very end. So there's still a lot of racing going on. And anytime you put race car drivers in Formula One cars and put them on a track, they're going to race. So don't worry about uh, Coda being boring or Mexico being boring. <laughs> you know, even with Max, Max is going to be going for the win each and every race. I guarantee it. So I'll end up. Yeah, it's funny. He said in his post-race press conference where th- his mentality that you just have is, yeah, I've won the title, but when I wake up tomorrow, I'll be thinking, yeah, I, there's well, there, there's still more races to win. So it's like, yeah, it's it's going to still be exciting. And, and I appreciate you mentioning that. So the last thing I will leave us with is a little bit of a fun fact that Max Verstappen is now the eighth person in F1 history to get their first two championships back to back. OK, the others. I will run through them really quickly. The first one was Alberto Ascari in the early 50s. Uh, The next one was Jack Brabham, of all people, in 59 and 60. And then here's where all of the names that I am, like, super familiar with. You have Alain Prost in 85 and 86, Michael Mm -hmm. Schumacher in 94 and 95, Mika Hakkinen in 98 and 99, Fernando Alonso in 05 and 06, and then, of course, Sebastian Vettel, where he won his four in a row. They were his his first yep. and, and only championships were all four of those. And so now you have Max Verstappen adding to this very prestigious list of, of drivers that their first two championships were back-to-back. And I just think that was a really cool stat. So, You know, there's, there's one other one that shows you the air that Max is breathing now, and that is there are two other drivers that have clenched their uh driving championship at suzuka and oh yeah do you want to guess who the other two are or should i I want to say senna is one of them he is it's uh, michael schumacher and senna are the other drivers that have clinched a driving championship at suzuka and now there's both of our favorite drivers (laughs) yeah so you have you have verstappen in the uh in the same rarefied air category of schumacher and Senna uh, you know, by clinching cool. his title at Suzuka. Uh, just a neat, neat thing to think about. And it just shows you what a fantastic driver he is. And, you know, yeah. I'm going to mention one other thing <laughs> just to, that Perez in his uh, post-race comments actually said, look, we're driving the same car and I can't keep up with the guy, you know, like yeah. in most races, yeah. he goes, he, he said, Max is an unbelievable driver. And he was basically saying, I'm getting everything out of the car that I'm capable of doing. And the guy routinely finishes better than me. And that's all him. And I thought yeah. that was a huge compliment from Perez, but it really shows how good Max is. We can't, you know, let anything take away from that. This was his season. It's a season that may never be repeated in his career. What? 13 wins so far and more to come probably 14 this 14. 14 it's unbelievable uh you or, know, and uh, actually no sorry that's that's i'm looking at the constructors it is 12 for verstappen two for two for paris uh in, including including suzuka yeah okay so yeah it's amazing so so there you go and it could increase the even more by the end of the year chances are it will so it's yeah. an amazing season for him he's an amazing driver we don't want to take anything away from that and i thought it was cool that he now joins you know in a statistical area he joins uh senna and schumacher so there you go yeah <laughs> 
Alrighty. Well, that's going to do it for us for today. Uh, I hope you all enjoyed this episode. Uh, be looking forward to next weekend, which is a bye week where we'll have another episode of the podcast with a as yet undetermined topic. And we will see you then. So thanks so much for listening. And until next time, take care of yourselves.